I don't wanna be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free, so you could hear the truth. Yeah, I know that we all have fear. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This is the truth for youth. Guys, the podcast is gonna bring you biblical truth, not my truth, not the world's truth, but the truth of God, the truth we find in the Bible. So today, guys, we're going to talk about a topic that I've kind of talked about before, but I was watching an interesting documentary uh, this past week. It was on the Son of Sam. Now, look, if you haven't ever heard about the Son of Sam or you never watched that documentary, it's a little bizarro, okay? It's a, it's a little sick. It's a little twisted. But I remember hearing about the Son of Sam when I was younger. Um, as a kid, I guess, I remember hearing kind of some of the, the stories or maybe seeing images or, or things about it. Now, if you're not sure what that is, it was basically this, this killer that went by the name the son of Sam, who was a serial killer up in New York, and he killed people over the span of a little over a year. It was like from 1976 to 1977. I believe six people actually died. Another seven were injured, and it was in like eight separate shootings. So it wasn't like just one mass mass uh, killing. It was actually these separate incidences, and so there was this panic. There was this fear uh, throughout the whole country. He was kind of killing younger people. And um, he would write notes to like reporters and, and the police detectives and stuff. And so anyways, there were kind of weird, strange notes and he would sign them as the son of Sam. Well, it, the documentary was kind of chasing some rabbits a little bit and it was kind of all over the place. But it was it was interesting um, from the standpoint of of who this guy was. I mean, he was a younger individual. The, the guy's actual name uh, is David Berkowitz. And um, they captured him again, you know, after a year, a little over a year of, of the killings. And, you know, he just seemed like unfazed by it. And when they were interviewing him, they were asking him like, you know, what, what were you doing? Like, why, why did you do this? And he actually claimed that he would get in his car and he would drive at night. He worked at like a post office and everybody said he was kind of a calm, quiet guy, but he would drive around and he said he would wait for his killing orders from a demon that manifested in the form of a dog that belonged to his neighbor, Sam. All right. So that's weird, right? That's strange. But yet if, if you're a Christian and you, you know, know anything about spiritual warfare, I mean, demons are real, right? So demon possession. We see that all throughout the Bible. So no doubt um, this dog could have been demon possessed. I mean, we see pigs that were uh, demon possessed in the Bible. And, um, you know, who knows? So maybe that really was a demon that possessed this dog and it was influencing him. And I mean, I definitely think that he was being influenced by Satan or by the devil or by demons, you know, all the above, right? That he was being influenced by evil for sure to do these things. Um, and so it was kind of strange because they, there would be some eyewitnesses and they would kind of, or like, not like great eyewitnesses. It was like, maybe you kind of saw a little bit of a glimpse of this guy or, or someone. And so they had these police sketches, but none of them ever looked the same. And so this, that's where this documentary comes into play. This detective that was there, just was like, I think there was more to it. I don't think he acted alone. I think there was other people involved. And, um, but the guy basically claimed that he did it all, that he was the son of Sam. And, you know, 
for years there was like investigations going on, but but later, um, supposedly, David Berkowitz became a Christian while he was in jail, and uh, he kind of talked a little bit more. Didn't want to tell like great details about what all happened, but he was telling this uh, this journalist that kept investigating over the years. He was telling him that, you know what, he didn't act alone, that he was actually involved in a satanic cult. And, you know, of course, that just kind of opens the lid for, for all sorts of just, you know, strange behavior and, and, and things that were going on. And, you know, I don't know exactly how much of, the, of it was true or not, but, but that's really not the main focus of the podcast. But I did want to share a little bit about what he said on there that struck a nerve with me. So when they were talking to him, about his involvement. You know, he, I think he actually went, you know, he finished school, went to the military for a while, came back, was just kind of working a job. But he was like in his, you know, 20s, like kind of young 20s or mid 20s. And he met this group of people. And I think he was a little bit of a loner, um, you know, didn't really have tons of friends. So I think he found a group of people that kind of accepted him and that he kind of befriended. And it turned out that these group of, you know, young 20-somethings or mid-20-somethings decided to get involved in this satanic cult. And it was actually interesting. They even tied it to Scientology, which I did a podcast on world religions and Scientology and how there was uh, some history there with some satanic influences. So that was pretty interesting. I was, I had never known that. There was a little bit of a Scientology tied in with this whole Son of Sam and, and some of their satanic worship. But anyways, long story short, um, these group of people would hang out and they would kind of at first, he said it was kind of all fun and games like, you know, hey, yeah, we're selling our soul to the devil, ha 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 type thing. Maybe like it wasn't like this weird, serious, twisted, evil, bizarre group. And I think that's why he kind of felt compelled to join. It was just kind of like, hey, it's a group of people. We're having fun. You know, it's kind of this innocent, quote unquote, innocent you know, fun and games type stuff. But the more they got into it, I think the more serious the group wound up taking this, you know, worshiping of of Satan or following him. And the more they kind of got into doing some twisted, dark things, they began to kill animals and drink the blood. Specifically, I think they were killing German shepherds and they were drinking the blood and they just got into some, some obviously very evil stuff. But one of the things that David said in his interview was, he's like, you know what? I never imagined us doing the things that we ended up doing. Like when he started out, again, it, it seemed fun and games. It seemed, oh, nonchalant, you know, we're, we're just kind of, you know, having fun here. But then they began to take it more serious and began to get a little deeper into it. And next thing you know, they go from killing animals to murdering people like human sacrifice and part of rituals, killing individuals. And, and even one of them, they videotaped or someone wanted to videotape it for entertainment purposes. And obviously it's just, it's just sick, twisted stuff that he went up getting into. And again, in that interview, he just seemed so sincere when he was saying, I, I just never imagined I would end up killing somebody. I just never thought that was going to be it. So you can imagine like if he would have maybe come across this group of of individuals and they were like, hey, 
you know, we're, we're Satan worshipers. We kill dogs, we drink their blood, and we kill humans. You want to join? Um, that'd probably be a turnoff, right? That he's probably like, uh, no, thank you. But when it's this innocent type of, of entry level where you're getting in and you're kind of befriending and it's kind of casual and you're kind of enjoying it and making friends, and then it gets like a little step further, a little step further, a little step further. Next thing you know, you're in, you're in deep. And that's kind of what he, he was basically saying is he got to the point where he got in so deep he couldn't get out. And I think at some point to become a member of this cult, they all, they all made these promises to one another and they brought photographs of their families to turn over and basically said, if you leave us, if you betray us, we're going to kill your family. And so it was like you're basically making a promise or an oath that you're you're going to commit to to following Satan, and if you ever betrayed that, you your family would end up dying. And so, anyways, it was just a, a again a deep dark hole that I think he got down in, it, and then you know obviously it didn't turn out well for him. You know he wound up being convicted of these uh, murders, and and I, I think the guy's actually still alive. I think he's in jail uh, still. I don't think he was ever sentenced to death. Um, but anyways. The thought that came to my mind when he was talking about how he never thought it would lead to this, it just made me think about um, small compromises. And I know I've already done a podcast on, on small compromises and how those lead to large life-altering situations in some cases. That was actually episode 23. So if you haven't listened to that, I think it's a great episode to go back and listen to because there's so much truth to that. But So today's kind of compounding on the compromising aspect, but I thought of this quote that I heard, and honestly, I don't know who who's credited with it. I know several pastors have used it in preacher, in, you know, in preaching messages and stuff. But but this is the quote, and this is the saying. And I remember I heard I heard a pastor say this years and years ago, and it struck a nerve with me, and it has stayed with me ever since. Just because I. When I heard it, I was like, wow, that's powerful, and there's so much truth to it. And that was really one of the reasons, I think, why it stuck with me. And again, the, the more life I get to live and the more wisdom I have and the more that I get to just, you know, counsel with students and just individuals and even adults makes this thing even that much more true. And this is it. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. Man, that's strong. I'm going to say it again. I want, you, I want to really think about it and let it sink in. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. Again, go back to David. You know, I'm sure he kind of thought, oh, it's just kind of fun and games. I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And again, I don't think he was a Christian. You know, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a Christian when he, when he got into this. Um, but I'm sure there was something in his conscience that was like, yeah, this is probably not right. You know, again, he said he never thought he would be doing killings. Okay, so he knew that was wrong. But then when he got in, he started doing that stuff. So it's like, you know what? He never thought it would go as far as it did. And I'm sure he never thought it was going to last as long as it did. And then obviously the consequences that he's paying for it 
I'm sure, a lot more than, than he anticipated. So that's just the way sin goes. That's how Satan works, and that's how sin works. Guys, you can't just do these little small compromises in your life. Oh, it's just this one little sin. You know, it's not really hurting anybody. It's not really that big of a deal. Because those little ones will lead to bigger ones or lead to more common ones. Like this is, here's one of the the truths that, again, the more life I live and the more experience I get to have as a youth pastor and just, you know, as a human being, the more this one is so true. You just start saying, oh, it's just this one time. Oh, just just this one time I'll do this. That Whether it be a compromise, a sin, whatever. I'll, I'll just do it. It's just one time. Just one time. And you rationalize that. And you, and you maybe even truly believe that at some point. You're, you're convincing yourself that you're going to do this, and it's only going to be one time, and then you'll never do it again. But guess what? You do it, and then somehow you are positively reinforced. Okay, that means that you did it and you got away with it. You did it. There was no negative consequences or at least you know, not severe consequences enough to cause you not to want to do it again. So then you're kind of like, okay, well, you know what? I, I kind of got away with it. No one found out. You know, no one got hurt. You know, maybe, you know, maybe I'll do it again. And then so maybe you do it again saying, oh, but this is this just one more time. It's just this one last time and then I won't do it again. Then you do it again. And then again, it becomes easier and easier to do it again. The hardest one is the first time. But then if you've done it once, it's a lot easier to justify it in your head that, oh, I, well, I've already done it once. I might as well do it again. I mean, what, what's the harm now? But there is harm because you're going to continue doing this. It's going to become more of a habit. And next thing you know, that one little event, that one little sin, that one little wrong thing that you're doing will not only lead to more often, but it'll probably get further and further and deeper and deeper. It's going to lead to other things. You know, I know when we did our compromise series, we talked about David and the story of how, you know, one little compromise here led to another, led to another, led to another. Next thing, David, a man after God's own heart, was so far away from God. And like, it, it really took someone basically slapping him across the face for him to snap out of it and be like, oh my gosh, like what have I been doing? You know, it's just these little things. How about the story of Samson? I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but so Samson, if nothing else, you've probably heard of the strength of Samson, right? He's the, the strongest man uh, in the Bible, for sure, probably to have ever lived. Um, he just had this supernatural strength. Well, God set aside Samson to do something special in his life. And he wanted him to take the Nazarite vow, which just basically means that he is going to be a separated individual. He's going to be separated and kind of set aside for God's use. And so part of the Nazarite vow was to not cut their hair. You know, and that's what we know about Samson, right? He had the long hair, and that's where his quote-unquote strength came from, was the hair. That's not really exactly how it came. God blessed him with that because of kind of his obedience. That was part of the vow. But yes, you know, it is tied to the hair. So it was also he wasn't supposed to drink strong drink, alcohol, okay? And he also was not supposed to go near dead bodies and kind of, you know, touch them because he becomes unclean. 
Well, one of the first things that we kind of see about Samson um, is that he begins to kind of become a little bit lenient in some of these vows. So one day as he's walking along the road, he passes a dead lion. And in fact, he actually had killed this lion days before. But he's passing by and he sees the carcass of the dead lion. And inside the carcass, there is some honey. So I guess some bees decided to make a, a little you know, hive inside there and you know, started producing honey. So anyways, he sees the honey. He goes over. Decides he wants the honey, so he takes the honey out of the dead carcass of the lion and begins to eat it. Now, to some, that could seem like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It, it wasn't a dead human, at least. You know, it was an animal, but it was still a dead body. It was still making him unclean. And even though, I don't know what, you know, justification he was using, but I'm sure there was a little justification there. I'm sure it was like, ah, it's just this one time, you know, that honey looks so good. Maybe I'm really hungry. I really could use something to eat on this long journey that I'm on. Um, It'll be okay. I'm not really touching the the carcass necessarily. I'm kind of just touching the honey. I, I don't know. We don't know the exact specifics of the story other than what I've said. So he compromises. He, even though it's a small compromise, he compromises himself. And then later we see him continuing to compromise. He, he, he's doing parties. He's interacting with these Philistine women, which he's not supposed to be. He's kind of pursuing them. And next thing you know, he's, he's telling his secret of his hair. And you just see the story going downhill for Samson. I mean, it starts off so promising. You have this man that has been given superhuman strength. That's probably like every little boy's dream, right? Is to be like Superman, Hulk, you know, just incredible superhuman strength. And here he is, and he has that. And then he begins to small compromise, small compromise. Oh, it's just a little bit. It's just this one time. It's just this. And he begins to go further and further, right? So here's that sin creeping up, taking him further than he wanted to go, keeping him longer than he anticipated. And then the price, huh, guarantee is more than he wanted to pay. Because later, you see him being captured. You see him being imprisoned. He becomes a slave. He gets his eyes gouged out. And eventually, it leads to his death. All because... No, not because he ate honey out of a lion's carcass, but because of a small compromise. And it led to more, and it led to more, and it led to him drifting further and further and further away from his truth, from God, from his relationship. Guys, that is so important for you to grasp. You cannot let the sin creep in. You cannot be deceived into thinking, oh, it's innocent, even though your spirit is telling you it's not, right? David, you know, going back to the story of David, the son of Sam, like he, he, he small, oh, it's just a little fun. It's a little innocent. But then once it started getting out of control, he just kind of got pulled in and it became a downward spiral. That's what sin is going to do. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to come and kill still and destroy you, especially if you claim to be a follower of Christ. And just because you're a follower of Christ does not mean that you are um, too good to be reached, right? 
It doesn't. You can still fall. You, you start doing a little compromise here and there. You start hanging out with the wrong crowd, being influenced by the wrong people, doing a few little wrong things. It will lead to more and more and more. You cannot compromise. You cannot give in. Remember, all those little times you think, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's not really hurting anybody. Or, you know, just remember that quote. That sin's going to keep you, or it's going to take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It's going to keep you longer than you ever intended to stay, and it's going to cost you more than you ever expected to pay. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no.